Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mine, good morning Lyle. Morning, Mon, how are you this morning? Yeah, I'm good as gold. I, I heard you were having wild partying time last night. What are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Let me say about the weather. <laughs> what are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? I am grateful for the program that is starting this evening called Is God For Real? Happening right sort of in my backyard. Oh, yeah, so if you're anywhere exciting. in the uh, Hunter, Newcastle, Central Coast region, anywhere within an hour's drive or so of Maitland, then come along and join us for the Is God Real? seminar with what, Peter Watts. What time does it start? Seven o'clock. What's the address again? Uh, 209 Cessnock Road, Gilliston Heights. That's the Gilliston Community Centre. Gilliston right? Heights Community Centre. Yeah, yeah. Just tap in uh, Gilliston Community Centre into your uh, Google Maps or your Waze or whatever it is you like to use. Don't use Apple Maps, you'll get lost. And uh, yeah, you'll find yourself there. 7pm. It's going to be amazing. And it's free, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally free. Don't, don't be built off by the uh, roadworks out the front. Uh, just drive straight through them. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. right on the street. Yeah, yeah. Because it kind of looks like it's like, how do I get into this place? It's easy. You just drive straight through. Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a gap. No. There is a gap. I found it yesterday. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. It's going to be very exciting. Yeah, some of, my, uh, some of my teammates were out setting it all up last night. It's very exciting. About to kick off. Very exciting stuff. Uh, I am grateful this morning, Lyle, for muscle memory. <laughs> oh, okay. Muscle yeah. memory. All right. Yeah. Tell us about it's muscle good. memory. Muscle memory is amazing. Yeah. I just can't believe it. <clears throat> uh-huh. yeah, yeah, your, your muscles remember things. Yeah, it turns Do out. Do they remember like, my name? <laughs> Can you ask your muscles, what is, uh, Wait, what, me, what is that guy's name? Let me hold name? the microphone up to my muscle and see if it remembers. No, it doesn't. No, it's not working. No, nothing. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> not a thing. They're like, who? You have no muscle memory at all. <laughs> I, I have known you for, what, 15 years? Something and like your that, muscles yeah. don't, still don't remember me. Sorry, Lyle. Sounds like you're not important to my muscles. <laughs> Either that, my muscles just don't like you. <laughs> yeah, no, muscle. I, I guess muscle muscle memory is like a fairly new science. Okay. In terms of like research and and what they're finding out about it, but it is just incredible. Yeah, what what muscles can remember? Uh, I'm. You got to tell me what do they remember? I'm hanging on the edge of well, my seat right here. Mostly movements. Okay, so anyway. if you walk for a year. And then you don't walk for a year, then you go back and you stand up and try and walk again. Your muscles remember how to do that. Isn't that just your brain remembering what to do? No, because my brain distinctly did not remember. <laughs> my brain. Anyway, we have a great show coming up for you today. This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app. Sky, sky. 
Every hand that reaches out Every hand that reaches out to offer peace Every simple act of mercy Every step to kingdom come All the hope in every heart will was Avalon Testify to Love here on Faith FM. Mon, hit us with the first clue for the quiz. Yes, in Diddly Diddly Die. Okay, this is a... Um, let me just check. Man, I feel like... Have we done this one before? I, Have I, you messed up? I'm just... Is your, is your brain memory not as good as your muscle memory? Well, this is... I think my brain memory is kicking in saying, hang on, hold the phone. You've done this one before. But I'm not sure. I'm going to do this one. I'm, going to, I'm just going to roll Maybe with it. Maybe just ask your muscles. Maybe they'll know. Oh, ha ha, Lyle. <laughs> so this is a what book of my quiz, and the first clue is this: the word grace is found most often in this book of the Bible, a total Ooh. of twenty-four times. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something in my head says that we've done this before as well. Is it possible we've just gone through every single card, and we're now back at the start? It's possible. I'm going to take a stab. I don't know the answer, but I'll take a stab. You stabbed correctly. Okay. 
All right, so go with the obvious. Uh, my clue for my hint for today is go. No, with the there's obvious. no extra hints, Lyle. I've already given a clue. That's how no, it works. No, no, no. So do you know what? Muting Lyle. Okay, give us a call. One eight hundred Faith FM. One eight hundred three two four eight four three. The number to text if you want to text is zero four nine one. You you done with giving out clues? I'm the clue giver. You can't give out hints. Go with the obvious. It's not the... How is that the obvious? It's the obvious. It's not the obvious. 0491064669 is the number to text if you would like to take a stab at the quiz this morning. You, of course, will win a prize if you get it correct. Very cool. Fantastic. All right, Mon, what have we got for positively different news this morning? Oh, so cool. We're just going to jump over to New Zealand briefly. Um, so we all know the... This is so hard to pronounce. You know that you know that, f- that really famous bird, the cat carrot. Kakariki Kakaraka. Kakapo. That thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's only like a there's only like a few places. Yeah, they, uh-huh. they live on an habit- island off the coast. Yeah, where the habitat <coughs> still exists. Um where the ferals can't get to them. Yeah, yeah. And uh and they're and they're and they're dwindling in numbers and they're and they're almost extinct and which is really sad because they're one of just the smartest birds ever. Mm-hmm. Um but super rare. Guess what, Lyle? What? Uh, population has doubled. Oh, really? Yeah, 150 chicks hatched this season. Really? Yeah, like in one fell swoop, they got they got 150 new ones. Wow! Isn't that incredible? That's Isn't amazing. That just incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So they were they are. Oh, this is. I'm so happy. They must be. They must be stoked. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has been this has been something that they have been working on for what, decades to get these things back from extinction. Exactly, and one of the key um, aspects is that the, the the preferred fruit of these birds, um, which is a, a comes off a tree. Apparently, this tree has been fruiting like crazy, um, producing so much uh, seed that wildlife conservations haven't seen conservationists haven't seen anything like this in 40 years um and so because of that like these birds are just being able to keep breeding and keep breeding i actually touched on this a few months ago when i was talking about how these trees were just fruiting crazy and we were, we could expect to have maybe some more chicks in sight and, we, and now we've had the chicks come and there's just been a no- it's just so cool um you start to grow orchards of this stuff I know, that's what I was thinking. I'd plant some more of these trees. What's the wrong with getting a whole bunch of these trees going? Uh, but it turns out some of these birds, because of the amount of fruit, have just kept breeding. So some of them are onto their fifth clutch of eggs. Oh, wow. Fifth. Fifth. They just keep rolling them. This is great. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And so but that's I, what you should be doing if you're nearly extinct anyway. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Um, and I just want to say, like, the 150 chicks that 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 number is actually the wild born chicks that they've counted so it's not even the ones that are in captivity that are in like you know being looked after this is just wild born chicks which is great um you know this has been a this has been a committed conservation effort since 2003 and um yeah this is going to be great they released uh 62 back into the year into the into the wild this year um yeah and those things are looking up which is great. Yeah, this that's is good news. We need good news when it comes to when it comes to you know um, extinction and, and 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 numbers dwindling. Hey, like, I had a I had a thought. Oh, by the way, I have some personal good news. Mm-hmm. Remember yesterday, I had a shipment arrive at the office here. I had purchased some oven mitts online. Yes. And you and I had a bit of a gripe because the oven mitts, which are fabric, came in quite a large box. Oh, it was ridiculous! It was a massive box full of. Padding, like, like as if, like as if you can yeah, you can break, uh, you break something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So full of plastic padding. Full of plastic padding. 
um, like those those bubbles, uh, plastic oven mitts. For goodness sake, put yeah, them in an envelope and post the them. Oven mitts that, so that they won't like you know wiggle around in the box. And I I was actually a little bit disturbed. I was like, you know, it's it's 2019. We have such a dim view of anything plastic related. Um, you know, single use plastic, reducing our plastic. And this is one situation where not only could plastic have been reduced, it could have been eliminated entirely from the yeah, equation. You could use other mitts. To pack things that yeah, are breakable. That's exactly right. You're and you are packing oven mitts with uh-huh. huge amounts of huge. plastic bubble wrap. So I took, I snapped a picture of that and um, on my phone and I actually emailed uh, the company that I purchased them from and I said, look, you know, I appreciate you sending it to me, but I'm actually really disappointed with the amount of plastic packaging you thought was necessary to ship a pair of gloves. And, uh, and they emailed me back uh, straight away and they're like, do you know what? We absolutely agree and we're going to change this. And I love it. Good. I love that, you I have love affected that, change in the yeah, world. One person can affect a little bit of change. Um, and I'm really happy about that. But I had another thought and, and sort of elated by my success in changing one business, I thought, you know what? I'm going to take on the whole world. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's it. That's, that's so, the way Mon rolls. So you know how there's all these different symbols, right? That inform consumers. So you have like, you know, your BPA free symbol and your recycle symbol and your cruelty free symbol and your this symbol and your that symbol, your made in Australia symbol. Um, they have all these different symbols. You have the, the heart tick um, that you can stick on products to inform purchases. Um, you know, the consumers are walking through the supermarket and they can well, shop and they can see a little symbol. They know exactly what it means. Halal, vegan, yeah. uh, kosher. There's so many of them. I think. We need to start a new one, Lyle. Mm. One that says, not made in China. Okay. I would legit seek that out and buy products that were not made in China. That's that's that. This is an interesting thought. It, it has some interesting be. political con, con exactly uh, exactly. I'm getting very political this morning. Uh, particularly, you know, and it'd be a good way of putting pressure on China with you know the one million yeah. Muslims that they have uh, thrown into concentration camps and slave labour to uh, keep propping up their economy. And the the thing is, right? If we start this little symbol and stick it on products, right? It's often at this point that the larger public suddenly becomes aware of something. Like who like I didn't even know BPA was a thing. Maybe I maybe have another symbol that you can whack beside it, not made with slave labor. Well that's a good one. I like that. I like that. But yeah, I mean I didn't even know what BPA was until I started buying stuff that had the symbol no BPA on it. And I'm like, oh what's BPA? I guess what is it's BPA? not good for it. I guess it's not good for me. That's that's when I Googled it. And uh, and I so, so I think if we stick not made in China, you know, people might be like, hang on, what's happening in China? And then they might find out. Because I think a lot of people still don't know what's yeah. going on in China. Yeah. So I think uh, I think we should actually do this maybe guerrilla style and print out like thousands of little not made in China symbols. I have to get a designer to design this, and then walk through like a supermarket of Woolies and look for stuff that's actually not made in China, and then like stick a little not made in China sticker on the front, front and center, so people can see it. And then just like do a whole couple of supermarkets. This is this is Mon, the the the, the domestic terrorist activist <laughs> right here. <laughs> but like, there's a fine line between an activist and a terrorist sometimes. That's true. <laughs> but if you think about it, right, like it doesn't. I think play. I I honestly couldn't think that people who are making products that aren't made in China are missing out on this. I don't think it's a great marketing strategy. 
I think it'd be, yeah. I think it'd be, I think it would raise their sales if they stuck this on their products. There you go. If you have a uh, niche product that's made here in Australia, maybe this is something you it could try. It doesn't have to be made in Australia because you could just or made, made, in, it, uh, yeah. made in any country other than China because, you know, made in Australia has its own symbol, but made in any country other than China, specifically China at the moment. I know that, you know, made in India and made in Bulgaria, whatever, they're still not great. Like it's still like, you know, underpaid people and whatnot. But right now with China, with what what their leaders are doing to their people, uh, with the communist regime, with the oppression, with the mass genocide, like right now we're going to be applying pressure to China. And I don't see any of our world leaders doing it. Like right now Donald Trump is just so just so involved with Iran at the moment and like ScoMo is not paying attention. Like we're the ones who actually have the power. The power this of the true. dollar. This is true. We, 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 if we wisely choose where we spend our dollars, that's when we make changes. We make shift. And unfortunately, we've lent all. I wonder the power. how much. I wonder how much of an impact we would have to have on China to convince them to uh, to deal with issues of religious liberty. Dude, I I would aim for having nothing purchased that was made in China. That's my goal at the moment. So yeah, not made in China. There you go. Stick right. it onto box somewhere. Okay, this is Ellie Holcomb with the Red Sea Road. We've buried dreams, laid them deep into the earth behind us, said our goodbyes at the grave, but everything reminds us. God knows we ache when he asks us to go on. How do we go on? We will sing. To our souls, we won't bury our hope Where He leads us to go There's a Red Sea Road When we can't see the way He will part the waves And we'll never walk alone Down the Red Sea Road How can we try?
That was Ellie Holcomb with Red Sea Road. Kind of, uh, kind of links in with your subject about China there, Mon, well, in an interesting kind of way. We want to help those Red Sea people. It's just, it's just <laughs> our producer is on the ball. Yeah. Okay. Clue number two. What book am I? Get your thinking hats on. It's the last day of the week, working week, and uh, we can do this. We can do this, folks. This is a quote from this book. But they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. Mm. Be very afraid. No. <laughs> Where does that come from? If you know the answer, give us a call. We've already had some phone calls uh, coming through, people trying to have a crack at the quiz. Nobody's, picked, nobody's got it yet, so there is still a prize available. Okay, so here's a, uh, an interesting story that uh, popped up in today's news, um, an article a news article about astronauts and the moon. Did you go outside and look at the moon? No. I was, I was thinking You've about been the, talking about the moon all week, I know. I was and we've all been talking you, about the moon all week. But then week. I was driving and then I was like... Mm. It's against the law. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad you didn't text and drive. It's a very dangerous thing to do. Yeah, I know. Let's not ever do that. Uh, but you could have pulled over if you'd have... But then really, I would have been late. If you'd have really cared for me. <laughs> I do really care for you, which is why I didn't want to be any later than I already was. So I was like, well, I'll be having a panic attack if I don't get here. <laughs> okay, so uh, we've been talking a lot about the moon this last week. Um, one, because Mon has had a newfound fascination with the moon, but also because we have, uh, we're celebrating 50 years since the first landing on the moon. Don't you think it looks like a big round ball of yarn? No. Oh. I've never looked at the moon and considered it as a big round ball of yarn. I think it's so about to start on a grey blanket and uh, it looks like a big ball of grey yarn. I think Can you that, imagine uh, a ball of yarn as big as the moon? <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. <laughs> Moving <laughs> back to more serious stories. Um, a, a journalist has recently been asking the question as to why it is that so many astronauts, after having been to the moon, become Christians. Ooh. I didn't know that was a thing. It's actually a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing. That makes total and sense. And even if to you me. go back to the the very first moon landing, uh, before they stepped out onto the moon, Buzz Aldrin um, had communion right there in the in the lander before he stepped down onto the surface of the moon. Wow. Yeah. And he he uh, he radioed back to Earth, and he did it on air. He read from John chapter fifteen and verse five. Mm-hmm. So this was uh, you know this was all you know spread right around the world. And he asked people of all faiths to t- take and pause and, and and take a moment to thank God. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I had some of the things that sort of uh, you know fade into the distance and don't become so popular amongst science um, is the very human aspect of what is taking place when people go to the moon or, or when they you know go out into space and all these you know different kinds of uh, great scientific endeavors science loves to focus on you know just empirical science nothing to do with spirituality but spirituality is an integral part of who we are as human beings and you can deny it as long and hard as you want but it's a real thing there is a God-shaped hole inside of every person and what's interesting is that people who go to the moon, have a very, very uh, powerful spiritual experience. I think we need to realize that faith is often at the heart of all science, whether or not people are claim that to be God or trying to do away with a God. Often faith is the key. But yeah, it, it, it makes sense because I know 
I know when I go in a plane while and I fly and not even like leaving, you know, the Earth's stratosphere, I like, I'm praying a lot when I'm up. Like, <laughs> you just imagine how much you'd be praying if you're on the moon. Yeah, and it's not so much the uh, no atheist in foxholes concept that turns these astronauts to religion. But, you just know, awe um, Jim Irwin summed it up this way mm-hmm. when he was walking on the moon. He held up his thumb and underneath his thumb was the entire planet Earth. Every mountain, every ocean, every continent, every sea, um, every river, every city, every individual on planet Earth was wow. hidden behind his thumb. Wow. And it was, he felt at that moment incredibly small and incredibly insignificant. And so when he got back, you know, he just started looking for significance mm-hmm. uh, because he recognized, you know, as, as so many people do, that there is a God-shaped hole in every single one of us. And, and, uh, and, and this is one of the reasons why so many astronauts turn to God after coming back from the moon or coming back from space uh, is because they just recognize just how small we are in the universe and, uh, and they look for meaning. Yeah, because there needs to be something bigger. There needs to be something bigger. Yeah. It, you know, as Pretty you said, it's sense. pretty hard to find an encore after coming back from uh, from walking on the moon. Yeah, yeah. And there needs to be something bigger and more important. And there needs to be a reason. It's like, why do we exist? Why as human beings do we exist? Why are we so intelligent? Why do we do the things that we do? Why do we go to the places and accomplish the things and study and learn? Why, 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 why? You know, Because no other creatures do this. Mm. What makes us as human beings so special? And uh, it revealed to to you know to him and to others out there you know that there is this uh, that there is a spiritual aspect to every human being out there uh, that only God can fill. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's 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 one of the things that uh, they found a lot of people who've who've gone to space and particularly those that have gone to the moon you know, because that's like way out in space. You're not just orbiting around the Earth. You're like distant from the Earth particularly those who have gone to the moon, have actually gone through a bit of a crisis of who am I when they get back. Um, and some of them have gone down some fairly dark paths before they have uh, turned their lives around by finding God. Amen. Yeah. That's incredible. I had no idea. No, it's a, it was a most interesting piece of uh, investigative uh, journalism into astronauts and spirituality and how many of them, you know, they just start out as scientists and, and uh, you know, technicians, engineers and so forth. And they end up as deeply, deeply spiritual people. Yeah, it, it, it actually makes sense. It does. Yeah, it makes it totally so much makes sense. sense. It really, really, really does. Anyway, moving on to another story, and this is a uh, that's that was a really positive story. I thought. Yeah, I think it's great. This one's kind of dark. Go on then. Okay, this is about uh, filicide, which is um, parents who kill their children, and mm. a um, a report that's come out: eighteen percent of domestic violence in Australia is. Um, is filicide, um, which comes to one child per fortnight. What? In Australia. Higher than Canada uh, and the UK. 76% of those are committed by the custodial parent. In other words, the parent who actually has custody of the children. Um, and uh, children who were known to protective services are not the most common victims. Oh, really? Yeah. So it boggles my mind. This is happening in Australia. It it does, and um, <clears throat> and you know, often these are uh, you know in moments of passion. There's an argument uh, followed by a beating, and they just you know the kids don't come back from the beating. But uh, a couple of uh, a couple of uh, red lights, and I wanted to highlight this because um, you might be in a relationship 
that uh, is is in is you know a dangerous relationship. So here's some red lights to look out for: a history of abuse. Has your partner um, does your partner have a history of abuse, either abusing or being abused? Um, but you know, mostly in this case, a history of be- having been abused. Um, does your partner have a history of domestic violence? So that they may not be, you know, in this zone right now. But is this in their past? Mm. These are red lights to look out for. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, drug abuse, obviously. Yeah. If you are with somebody who is um, a drug addict and is abusing drugs and is not prepared to address that, you need to get out of that relationship. Uh, a criminal history. Mm-hmm. And once again, there are many criminals out there who turn their lives around very dramatically and become a new and different and better person. But at the same time, that's something you need to be aware of. Um, and or Depression in the family. So um, if you are depressed, then that places your children at risk from your partner. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So that's something to watch out for as well. Um, now, of course, if your partner, and there are quite a few people who can tick all of these boxes, if your partner ticks all of these boxes, just you know, you need to get out of this relationship. If they have a history of abuse, if they have a history of domestic violence, if they're using drugs, if they have a criminal history, um, you need to get out of that relationship. Um, if there's depression in the family, then that's going to be another contributor. And then, of course, a stepfather in their 30s. What? A stepfather in their 30s. That's the danger zone right there. Like he became a stepfather in his 30s or he's now in his 30s? He's in his 30s and he's a stepfather. Okay, wow, that's... There's an interesting statistic. statistic. It's an interesting yeah. statistic. That's the most. Uh, that's the highest level of, uh, of danger as far as you know, demographics go. Um, yeah. And that's not saying... You know, there's some wonderful, wonderful, incredible stepfathers and stepparents out there. Um, you know, I have a stepparent and uh, that can be a, just a great part of the family. So, you know, but if, you, if you're with a partner that ticks all those boxes... Yep, get out of that relationship. Anyway, this is JJ Heller, What Love Really Means. He cries in the corner where nobody sees. He's the kid with the story no one would believe. He prays every night, dear God, won't you please? Could you send someone here who will love me? Her 
Welcome back, everybody. That was JJ Heller. What love really means here on Faith FM. And Mon, we must have another uh, another clue for our quiz. There. Yes, indeed. This is a what book am I qui- uh, quiz, and we're up to clue number three. And the clue is this: terms such as glorified, justified, redemption, sanctified, called, predestined, and atonement are all found in this book. Sounds like a bit of a theological book to me. Mm, yeah, it sounds like a thinker's book. Okay, uh, what book yeah. is that? If you know the answer, then give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and there will be a prize coming your direction. Well, joining us on the phone this morning, Mon, yes. is somebody that I recently spent quite a bit of time with. Oh, really? Uh-huh, about three weeks, in fact. Oh, mercy. Here we go. Okay, so this is uh, Rod Bailey, and uh, Rod was part of the team that uh, we went to the Outback with. Rod, welcome to the show. Good morning. Now, Rod, uh, while we were journeying through the Outback, and what a, what, what an amazing time. Rod, I just want to warn you, if you mention spin effects, I'm hanging up on you. <laughs> <laughs> you see, it works like this, Rod. Mon asked me yesterday what I was thankful for, and I said spin effects. He said spin effects, Rod. What does that even mean? Good answer, Lyle. There you go. See, see, Rod. I'm so Rod, done with this Rod, trip. Rod, um, I, didn't was, even, I didn't even go on this trip, and I'm so done with this trip. <laughs> Rod was fascinated by um, small things and you small by, finds. By all of the, is very small. <laughs> by all of the herbage that there was in the outback. Herbage. <laughs> oh, you're having a go at me here, Lyle. But uh, look, look, seeing seeing anything uh, remotely green and alive out there is just a, a, a blessing to the eyes and uh, <laughs> makes one feel that, that there is life in the desert, which is fantastic. That's right. Okay, and Spinifex, we, I, I, I think I read somewhere it covered like a third of Australia. I'm going to let you have like two minutes to talk about this trip and then we're changing subject. No, 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 no. We've, got to, we've actually got to get on to our real subject for today. Okay, good. Because uh, Rod Cute. was telling me about a program that he started several years ago, um, which is uh, becoming quite a, quite a significant thing, and it's called the Cultivate Conference. Ooh. So this is, this, is why, this is why Rod was talking about herbage in the outback and we stirred him the whole three weeks over his herbage. <laughs> Gave him no mercy over it. But uh, Rod, you've got quite a, uh, a history and a background in agriculture and uh, started this Cultivate Conference. What is this conference all about? Tell us all about it. All right. Well, I guess Cultivate stemmed from my own personal need when I when I decided to turn a home garden into a market garden and I realised I really knew nothing and I really needed some serious help from people that did know something. And I heard about this this conference uh, 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 in the United States. A group of people called the Adventist Agriculture Association had started over there and they started this conference and I actually went all the way to Florida to their conference, had a fantastic time, decided why can't we have something like this in Australia? And um, so, yeah, Cultivate Conference in Australia was born. This sounds so good. I'm suddenly so interested <laughs> in everything you have to say. I'll forgive you if you mention spin effects. This is so, so Mon, has, Mon has instantly gone from lots of eye rolling to now she has a million questions. All right. Now, Mon, I don't, I don't know if you've got a green thumb or a brown thumb, but in a nutshell, cultivates like a place where people who love to get their hands dirty and grow stuff or think they would like to get their hands dirty and grow stuff or think they should get their hands dirty and grow stuff and think they could grow stuff or 
maybe they just used to grow stuff and would like to get back into it, or maybe they just know someone who grows stuff. But it's a time and a place for both the green and the brown thumbs to get together, to have a fantastic time, learning amazing things, meeting like-minded people, making lifelong friends, and, you know, have a general good old time as they discuss all things down on the farm or just in the backyard. That is so cool. Like, people don't have to be a farm or agriculturist to to come along. Um, by far, the majority of people are beginning gardeners, or maybe they got a small patch in their backyard, or many have never planted a seed in their life. You know, complete newbies. But there's something for everyone from the seasoned gardeners through to the kids. Mon, I think we need to sponsor you to go to this conference. I super would love that. I, I, I <laughs> dude, I have black thumbs. I'm like the black widow of plants. You give me a plant, I will kill it. I don't even know how. Like I overlove them or something. And like it's it's unusual because my parents could like make an oasis from a rock. And then there's me who didn't inherit any of that. But I, I like how you started off by saying you, you, you wanted to grow stuff and you didn't know anything about it. And so you went and researched it. Because that's how I feel like. I feel like I know nothing about how to make stuff grow. I would love it if there was a conference yeah. I could actually go to. Because I feel like when I research this online, often I'm like accidentally reading American stuff and the seasons are all different yeah. and the stuff, the information is yeah. all back to front. And I'm like, okay, where's the Australian stuff? I feel like like it's just such a huge ocean. Because did you know, by the way, gardening is the world's biggest hobby? And I feel hmm. like it's such a huge ocean, I could never like figure out how to swim across it. Now, I, I get that. But what we need more than just cold information is to, to mix with people that, either the people that are on the same, same level as us and we can help each other out, tell each other our stories of failures or success, and even better if there's someone there that's, you know, we can stand on the shoulders of and, and learn something from. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the personal aspect, it's the social aspect that makes this really powerful because you're sitting around telling yarn, sharing experiences, both the struggles and the success. And, man, it's really powerful. Do they like, they have like a seed collecting something other happening as well, like the, the heirloom and the heritage seeds? Is there something like that happening there as well? Yeah, there's there's, pe- there's people that are really into that, and we're hoping to have someone this year that actually uh, is is uh, it's it's their business to do that. But you know, they come along and teach us how to save our seeds and how to look after them and keep those heirloom things happening and all the rest of you it. You should get my mum. Um, my mum, my mum cultivates her own seeds, and then she's such a good mum. She like sends you little packets of seeds that she's you know collected herself, and then she has all the little information written on the on the on the little envelope. And like literally, sometimes I'm like, I don't, I can't do this. And sometimes I just eat the seeds. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just like, okay. I, don't know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal with that. Um, but yeah, I see, I, I see the black thumb coming out there when you're eating Rod, the seeds like, that you're supposed to be planting. I can kill a cactus. I have killed many cactuses in my time, uh, and, and uh, I know those oh, are the unkillable uh, plant. But like. Uh, Okay, Mon, I want you to go to cultivateconference.com.au and register now, okay? okay? You, you need help. <laughs> she, is, she is actually literally, Rod, she is literally on her computer going there this moment. Cultivate. Okay, Rod, tell well, us quickly, uh, um, what, yeah. uh, what kind of speakers have you got coming this year? Okay, so we've got people coming from the States, New Zealand, as well as Australia to, to cover a wide range of things. Um, we're looking at having an emphasis on home gardening this year. We've had a strong emphasis on uh, small-scale intensive market gardening in the past, which is which is where I fit into the scheme of things. 
Um, but we're focusing on home gardening and also on uh, giving people the sorts of skills and confidence they might need if they're contemplating a move to the country from, you know, a, a, a more urban sort of a lifestyle, taking the step towards a rural lifestyle. Yeah, so um, a real lineup. We'll be covering things like beekeeping, irrigation, mm. weed control, composting, soil chemistry. We'll be going through specific crops. Um, you know, in the past, we've done things like small engine maintenances and chainsaws. And uh, we, we really want uh, to encourage kids and young people into this. So, you know, we have seminars with the kids. We have seminars with the mums on helping them, you know, learn how to have kids enjoying their time in the garden, teaching them how to love practical work and, you know, even talking about how kids become more resilient with the practical skills they learn and, and even the opportunities of them to become entrepreneurs. I mean, my son, when he was 11, started a, a peanut butter making business that um, made him a lot of money. He's bought him motorbikes and wow. GoPros and and drones and all these things that he wants to invest his money in. So uh, we're really wanting to make um, it attractive to those families and uh, to those kids as well. That sounds like a great way of uh, learning how to get your kids away from screens and into something real. Uh, absolutely. You know, um, because how can, I, how can I put it? The experience that my kids, uh, you know, we've only been market gardening for the last uh, four years or so. And I have seen as the kids have spent time in the garden, you know, my kids have been homeschooled and it was part of their education to spend, you know, 15 to 20 hours in the garden with me each week. And the absolutely transforming experience it was for them, you know, they've become confident practical useful young people and yeah they still use their screens and you know all the rest of it but um there's a, there's an element added to it that i think was in god's design for the family and for children you know when we live an agrarian life in nature we can be distracted by all those simple things of life and you know kids learn how to play with sticks and climb trees and build things and entertain themselves you know in useful uh pursuits where they're, they're physically growing as well as mentally and even spiritually growing as they, ha they have that simple experience yeah and i gotta say rod that was one of the things i loved about traveling with your family through the outback you know your uh, your younger son you know jack who was out there with us and and how old's jack now um what uh 13, 13 years old 13. you know and, and he's out there and he's just he's into everything mon you should have seen this kid i mean the camel turns up he's gonna chase the camel it's just like you know whatever's happening <laughs> Cool. It's like, if you see something, tie Jack down before he chases it yeah, away. Don't, don't forget that feral goat that he called Lyle. That's right. That's right. He literally chased down and caught a feral goat and was dragging it around by the horns. Are you serious? No, serious. He's a real kid, you know, and, and, and this, is, this is the kind of childhood that, uh, that kids need to have yeah. today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this is, this is real, real living. Um, Rod, you've mentioned a couple of times a spiritual aspect um, mm. to this program. So uh, Cultivate Conference, uh, I take it, is not just an agricultural program, but it's a spiritual program as well. What's the link yeah. between spirituality and agriculture? Oh, look, we can go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, um, you know, where the Bible describes that God made a garden for Adam and Eve to live in. And, and the occupation that Adam was given was to dress and to keep the garden or to be a, be an agriculturalist or an agrarian or, you know, a, a gardener. And 
I think I, I know God designed that because our minds need that and it it makes us the struggles of agriculture this side of sin make us rely on God like not much else can do because you know we know that Australia is a land of drought of flood and burning sun and all the rest of it and so myself as a gardener I realize that this is all beyond me and I can't afford to be a deist gardener that believed that you know God created this world wound it up like a clock and he's just set it going and just standing back and watching I, I need God involved in my life and in my in in my career my business every day of the life every every day of the week because through agriculture I learn to depend upon God I realize that the big things of life are out of my control and the very best place I can be is you know as I'm working thinking about things praying as I work you know Lord give me wisdom teach me what's going on here help me to understand the interactions between bacteria and fungi in my plants and the nutrients in the soil and thank you God for the sun that's shining and for the rain that's come and oh man what a what the perfect place to be to learn that in everything in my life I need to depend on my maker um, for success yeah, fantastic, Rod. Now, um, just another question before we finish up. We are starting to run out of time here, but you have a background in running um, health centres. Um, and with all of the health centres that you've run, there's been an agricultural program attached to it. Now, Correct. we all understand the benefits of organic food um, over, you know, just the, the, the stuff that's sort of kind of mass-produced and plonked on our shelves. But... In Australia right now, where depression is one of the, you know, is probably the greatest pandemic we're facing, is there an emotional benefit to participating in, in, in agriculture as well as just a uh, physical benefit from eating the food? Okay, um, I might be going out on a limb here, but I don't know anything that will help a person's um, mental health better than spending time outside in the fresh air, in the sun exercising the body as we work with nature um, my own experience after <clears throat> decades of working with people and the pressures that come with that you know the mind pressures that come with that you know including helping people to improve their physical and mental health at our health retreat after decades of doing that of, of teaching doing all sorts of things i took this turn this this pivot if you like to full-time gardening and nothing that i've ever done before helped my mental health that's my personal experience but our guests at the retreat you know i'd see people stressed from the grind of daily life go out into the garden or go and lie down in the thick clover with one of our calves and go to sleep with the calf you know head on her chest i remember that happens to one of our guests i've, I've just seen stress just just you know just glide away sort of thing as a different reality comes into view. And Mon, I think this is one of the reasons why gardening is the world's biggest hobby because not only has God designed us to spend time in nature in this way, but somehow if we just get a little bit of a taste of it, mm. we recognise it and we think, wow, I don't know what's going on here, but it's good for me, so let's do it. 
Yeah, 100%. Fantastic, Rod. Uh, when and where is the uh, next Cultivate Conference happening? Next Cultivate Conference runs between November 6 and 10 this year at uh, a venue called Camp, Camp Obadiah. Between Sorry, I'm reading read the website. <laughs> okay, between Tari and Port Macquarie on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. About three hours drive north of Sydney. Fantastic, Rod. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you're uh, listening in today, um, this is definitely something to um, yeah jump on there, cultivateconference.com.au and sign up now. I think I might sign up my parents actually as well. I think I might do a family affair. It's going to be great. This is Andy McLeod with Country Living. Why?
Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. How's it going, everyone? This is Mon and Lyle from The Breakfast Show. Hey, Lyle. Mm-hmm. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Is God for real? That's a really good question. In fact, it is such a good question that ex-atheist, devout atheist Peter Watts is doing an entire series of presentations on that very subject, answering some of life's deepest questions. Are you serious? Can I go to this? You certainly can. It starts this Friday night, the 19th of July at 7pm and runs every Friday, Saturday and Tuesday night. Do I have to pay? Where can I get a ticket? It's for free. Simply call 0488. 588955. While I will see you there. This is a reminder you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app. 